that's the default advice we give. Just blackmail people. <laughs> yeah, yes. you know great blackmail idea. Blackmail does come up a lot on love this it. podcast. Yes. I love yeah. a bit of blackmail. What does that alone. say about us guys? Welcome to the Media Week podcast, the podcast made for media people by media people. Don't worry, we're not your CEOs just yet. We're your common media folk in the weeds of the day to day. Each episode, we'll share opinions on hot topics in the media world, along with some bents to keep you going on a Friday afternoon. So who's in the room? It's me, your host, Harriet from Publicis, Jack from Craft. When I started this. And Buki from Wavemaker. Hey, yo. In today's episode, I've been booted out of my role as the anchor by Buki. So what have you got for us, Books? Am I even interested to hear? Probably not. <laughs> so this is why I wasn't allowed to do an intro. <laughs> I was like, oh yeah, should I do the intro? And she was like, no, I've really got something. <laughs> yeah, I, I want to get stuck into it. <laughs> wow, okay. Well, in today's episode, we are getting into what's going on in the world of traditional media. And do old dogs need new tricks? Why did you look at me when you said old dogs? You looked at me and you looked at me and said old dogs. No comments. <laughs> I'm a young dog. Thank you very much. So, in the audio world, live radio gets 69% of the share of listening time in 2023 nice. versus 14% of on-demand music and streaming and 6% for podcasts. Yes, very good. How much radio, if any, are you guys planning? And are we giving them the respect that they deserve? I mean, how long have you got? I love radio. I literally can talk about this for so long. So I'm I'm going to stop. I'm going to let Harriet contribute for once. (laughs) Well, I mean, forgive me for stating the obvious here, but these days, like, live radio is even more accessible than perhaps it was before as a result of kind of smart speakers, Mm. online, you know, drive time still. But whether or not we're actually giving radio the respect it deserves in the context of the broader kind of audio world, perhaps not. Because I think across the industry, if we think about this from an awards perspective, for example, we'd see a lot more recognition when it comes to, you know, cool podcast series and content as opposed to live radio so in that context i think perhaps not but jack you tell me i mean from my perspective i have never had a radio campaign that's gone badly for a client like it always just delivers on brand metrics and there's like a few reasons why it's it's so good the cpms are so low like the the cost effective reach is off the charts you get broadcast scale at like a fraction of the cost i mean it's like you can build up frequency so quickly and you obviously have to manage like irritation levels and stuff. But if you've got a few creatives for a campaign, you can build up that frequency and really influence people into taking action much like quicker than you would otherwise. I think in terms of like giving it the respect it deserves, it doesn't get the respect it deserves. But I think this is in part due to the fact that it's just not very sexy, is it? People always want to talk about what's new and shiny. And let's face it, the radio is... Uh, well, it was the wireless back it's, in the day. It's an old dog. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's literally, it's it's like as traditional as you can get. But I think also there's this thing in, um, you know, you're never going to get a creative agency jumping up and down with excitement about making a radio ad. 
no. like creative agencies will boot it to like a junior copywriter or, or creative to kind of cut their teeth on rather than being like the focal point. But it's an old dog that needs to be utilised. And yes. further to your point, Buki, there's been a 10% increase in commercial radio listeners over the last five years, with total hours um, listened to growing by 19% apparently. Ooh, come on, so, you a bag of stats with, with you. Stats, okay. <laughs> um, you know, I you should know not be the anchor more often. <laughs> yeah, got, the thing is, you've got um, talent from the BBC that was really popular moving over, so like Hits Radio has got some like really, really strong talent from the Beeb, um, which is pulling people over. I think also, do you know, it's funny when you're talking about the the awards thing, I was thinking what was like great radio awards. And then I remembered like the Media Week Awards, and I name drop us. Um, <laughs> I think you're going to say the same one as me, the, the talk spot with Macmillan Cancer. No, no, it wasn't actually, yeah. but I was going to, it's another charity one. It was the British Heart Foundation, Stopping the Nation's Biggest Heart. Ah, yes. Um, yeah. They simulated a heart attack by stopping the, the ad mm. like quite jarringly. And obviously dead airtime on radio is like a big no-no, so... Perfect. Sorry. Sorry. I'm not anchoring very well. Sorry. Okay. In TV, <laughs> another old dog. The recent ITV drama, The Post Office versus Mr. Bates, has been a clear success and various leaders from in the media world are saying that it wouldn't have been such a hit without linear TV. Is this a fair statement or are people scrambling to keep linear TV relevant? Sorry, the fact you said Mr. It's Mr. Bates versus The Post what Office. What did I say? <laughs> you said The Post Office versus Mr. Bates and it was really jarring. <laughs> Um, Sorry, Mr. Bates versus the post office. Yes, yeah, very, very important to say Mr. Bates as well. Mm-hmm. Um, the, uh, yeah, I mean, that, like, obviously it's been a really, really good month for Linear TV because you've had that and then on non-commercial telly you've got the traitors, yeah. which is gripped you everyone. You've my point, Jack. Oh, sorry, sorry. Um, you pretend go, I don't say that. No, go you on, go, go with it. No, talk about, tell me about traitors. Go on, go on, make a point. No, no, you, okay, no. fine. Okay, well, first of all, I agree that, it wouldn't be a success without linear TV. Ooh. And I know that Jack will have a, a quite detailed point of view on this, but in the recent campaign article about it, there were various media bods talking about, you know, what, what they think. But there were two specifically that really hit the nail on the head for me. First of all, somebody said, and I'm not going to quote them because I can't remember who it was, <laughs> um, but said that it, it really kind of created a water cooler moment that linear TV's ubiquity helps fuel. And I wholeheartedly believed that. And Jack made a very good point about the fact that that's also been proved by the Traitors yeah. series that has actually, I think, become one of the biggest entertainment series in the last two years by the BBC. The thing that, that makes it so successful is it's like, it's got that kind of injustice at the core of it that really kind of gets people riled up, but it's the storytelling that surrounds it. And I think that you can't really underestimate the cultural clout that a good story will have if it's properly distributed. So I wrote a thing for Craft looking at it and basically making the point that like these things kind of sit within culture and, and will be remembered because of the storytelling, but also crucially because they're properly distributed so you've got the linear tv element but there's still like millions and millions of views that happened retrospectively on itvx and that platform's obviously kind of you know improved over time and you you know you can compare it to the thing that i compared it to was saltburn because that's literally what i did as well oh man like because the, the saltburn thing it's like that's a great story but you look at what's happened to murder on the dance floor the streams have gone through the roof because of the scene at the end where he's dancing around mm-hmm. naked or whatever. And so it's actually like, you know, it's it's had an effect on the real world. So we like linear TV for that? Yeah, yeah I, I think you, you've got to doff your cap to linear you TV like linear on that. You like linear TV for that? 
Absolutely. No new tricks. We're happy, we're okay with how it goes. Could it have done as well on Netflix? I think probably. Well, but I, it's, you know, Netflix yeah. is 8% of the country, whereas ITV, everyone's got it on their telly. Well, I think someone else's point that I liked in the campaign article specifically was the fact that someone made the point that we've pitted linear TV versus streaming as if they're binary choices. Yeah. And uh, that obviously isn't the case and something that we've already touched upon in previous episodes about, you know, linear TV and, and streaming being complementary to each exactly. other. Absolutely. And I think just to finish on that one, that's the reason why my initial thought was I didn't agree. I didn't think you need it needed linear TV to be a success because mm. it, it's a successful story. And I think it was going to be a success either way. Yeah. It just did very well on linear as well. Yeah. Cool. Also in TV, Channel 4 has announced it will pivot to being a digital first public service streamer. In doing so, there will be job cuts, downsizing the office and closing their smaller oh, linear Jesus. TV channels. Do we think this is the right strategy? I mean, that you never want to hear about people getting laid off in media. That's, that's not great for anyone. So obviously that sucks. I think they are clearly thinking long term and there's good. I mean, given the, how, how much quickly the landscape's changing, there's going to ha- they will have to take hard decisions like that. But I think in the long run, that will help preserve them because, you know, that's that's the way people tend to consume the content now. I certainly think it's the right strategy um, and I believe it, it's at the right time too i think it's how it's... it loves firing people <laughs> <laughs> you Sorry. always make me sound she's like to, such a you know bitch businesswoman you're not a bitch businesswoman um but they obviously <laughs> want to be ahead of the curve they want to target younger consumers uh, they want to diversify their revenue streams and obviously you know quality streaming and that landscape has, has really evolved so i yeah. think they, they're doing this at, at the right time in mm. fact probably a bit too late but i think they started these conversations in 2020 anyway so right. wow. yeah. And then in the magazine world, Sports Illustrated, the iconic American sports magazine, is in hot water. They are facing staff layoffs and are in the middle of a scandal around AI-generated articles. What do we think? Well, I think on this one, it it raises a much larger question around the threat of authentic journalism and AI and and the big tech-fuelled decline of journalism. But similarly to kind of Channel 4, I think print publishers need to understand you know, the changing media consumption habits of their audiences and, and that will enable them to get ahead of the curve and, and not end up laying a load more people off. In the way that Channel 4 are obviously yeah. already doing. Yeah, I mean, I, I think there's, to that point about understanding the media consumption of the of the audiences that are still consuming them, it's really, really important. I think that it's quite interesting, like, because obviously they have an important role as, like, tastemakers taking it outside of Sports Illustrated to like a lot of the other kind of condensed titles or what have you, they have a really important role in culture of kind of setting an agenda. And obviously that's kind of really under threat from influencers, like social media influencers is probably the kind of like for like. People used to turn a lot more to, to mags and publishers, but I think you can buy, instead of trying to kill the kind of, you know, go up against the influencers and really kind of fight, it's like, well, how do you use that to your advantage? Because a lot of influencers will still respect the titles and they still have that kind of legacy clout, I think. It's got me thinking now, like, imagine if, like, 
Vogue or Condé Nast or GQ, they brought out their own influences, a bit almost like a sports team. So then they'd have like <laughs> oh individual the Power Rangers. You know, they'd have all their different influences in different spaces, yeah. but they're all under the Vogue umbrella. They're all under the GQ but, I mean, umbrella. They kind of essentially just your journalists, but like a sort of a new it's like content creators or whatever. Exactly. It's kind of, it's kind of like what the likes of Lab Bible and Joe do. They have they are almost like digital magazines in a lot of ways. It's weird. I feel like everyone always talks about mags as though they're like this kind of dead thing, but I think that really there's like a that it's just kind of evolved into another thing. People still have the need that this gets fulfilled by. Mm, just not the paper ones. Because I actually was yeah. in WH Smith the other day and I was, there's a wall of magazines. I, was, I can't remember the last time I saw one. Why on earth were you in WH Smith? The post who office goes is in, in there. Oh, <laughs> I was like, who on earth goes in unless it's the airport? <laughs> she, wanted, she wanted a massive bottle of water and a chocolate a huge bar. one. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and then on the last part, the main part, we're going to end on out of home today. So the first thing I wanted to ask both of you is, has anyone recently planned out of home? Yep. What do you like about it? And what are the difficulties there? I plan a lot of out of home, actually. And I planned it like across a lot of different clients. I'd, I'd also probably say it's my favourite media channel. Didn't you just say that about radio? Oh, wait. My God. Oh, this is my second like favourite. Yeah, I mean, I'm, sa- I'm sad <laughs> enough that I actually have multiple favourite media channels. One anorak. Um, <laughs> But here we are, we move. Now, it's, okay, so it's one of my favourite channels because, like, it's got so much kind of licence for creativity. It's the oldest media channel as well because, you know, I think back to um, my favourite ancient out of home, which is when you go to Pompeii, they have the penises on the wall pointing towards where the brothel is, right, on the streets. <laughs> this, so is, this is the product of Jack's medieval so history. No, it's not, it's not medieval, <laughs> it's It's classical. <laughs> But any, it's anyway, it's uh, yeah. But honestly, there's like big triapic signs. Anyway, the uh, what was my original point? Yeah, I, I love it because it's like there's that creativity that can go into it. They're all obviously sort of like properly pushing forward into a sort of the new world with like programmatic out of home abilities, and then also just like I mean, it's great because it still works for you know actually getting the job done, but also you can point at it and be like, look, mum, look what I did. And she's like, oh, did you make the ad? I'm like, no, no, I just put it there. All oh, right, OK. Anyway. I mean, we, we've touched upon Out of Home in previous episodes and we obviously talked a little bit around it um, in our Trends episode about it being such a, a powerful reach tool and how kind of technological advancements are really kind of accelerating the growth, perhaps, of mm. Out of Home. But what's interesting from a digital Out of Home perspective is that that advancement or the acceleration of that has been a lot quicker in other regions Mm -hmm. versus Europe. So APAC, I think, are a lot more evolved in that space versus Europe, which suggests that we may see more of it in in the coming years as we we adopt it more and more. That's interesting. To be honest with you, I, I hadn't thought about it from sort of an APAC perspective. I've planned, planned some out of home in like, Germany and a bit in the States and stuff like that. But the thing is, it's actually really weird because in the States, it's way less premium. Like it's proper, like better call Saul lawyer vibes, like, yeah. you know, and kind of your local real estate agent or whatever. Shameless. It's just, yeah, they, it's, yeah they don't mind. They have it any. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Anywhere. Whereas like in the UK, like if you're on like a massive premium, like LED screen, it looks great. Some of my favourite campaigns have been on that. What about the difficulties though in planning 
in planning out of home, like with a lot of our digital platforms and a lot of the way that clients need to know the results and they need to know the yeah. measurement. How are you guys doing that when we're looking at our home? I mean, I know that again, with the kind of tech advancements of, of digital out of home, measurement is is becoming much easier within that space. I'm quite spoiled because I work directly with like a few different agencies and like the good stuff out of home team, I'm giving a shout out because they are so good. Like they, they make life a lot easier and they like, you know, when I talk about like me being like nerdy or anoraki about like a channel or whatever, these guys are really like in <laughs> love with that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But uh, I think so. And they're always kind of like quite creative with how they approach stuff. I think out of home's biggest problem is the fact that it is so difficult to measure it. And also when you run it through econometric attribution models, it rarely comes out as strongly as TV does. And one of its problems is this kind of like it doesn't know how to, I guess, articulate its its value. I mean, I think it probably needs a punchier industry body because it's like the big players like Deco and Clear Channel will like, they'll be the ones, you know, sort of pushing the issue rather than there being like a think box equivalent. There is, there's yeah. Outsmart, but I mean, they, you don't see nearly as much as you would do from them. Yeah, it's by far and away one of the most interesting things. And obviously with the London Underground, we have like some of the most sort of ubiquitous like ad inventory in Europe. I mean, genuinely, and I, a lot of people won't agree with me, but I think the ads actually make London Underground better. Because if you were to take them away, if you go on, if it's, it's so really jarring when you go on a platform and you don't see an ad, yeah. it's kind yeah, of weird. True. No, I completely agree. And I think to your point, Harry, you said about whether out of home is growing it is so out of home ad spend in the uk has returned to pre-covid levels nice. in 2023 uh, that was at 1.34 billion and that's gradually set to rise and uh, forecast to rise to 1.54 billion by 2028 so it is on the rise i think you're right all the technological advancements are driving it forward yeah i think one thing that i wanted to add on to the that i think is kind of taking it to the next level potentially in the in the measurement space and just making it a little bit more accessible for the clients who are like oh but I don't just want you know either reach or footfall or something like that and mm -hmm. they want to be able to do that which is the AR components that some tech providers are now able to incorporate into it sure. there was a one example we did with smart media technologies for William Hill where they basically created an AR environment with one of the billboards that they had mm -hmm. and people could make a virtual what are those things called jackpot jackpot oh, machine like a slot machine slot machine and then they could win uh, a trip to Vegas. Oh, cool. Oh, that's, that's cool. So that's cool. So you can then measure the engagement as well as the standard out-of-home measurement that you might get from trusted partners, the good stuff. Yeah. But then add that in there as well. So I think that's another huge drive for out-of-home. And it's just yeah. kind of modernizing it. Because as you say, it's the, the oldest yeah. channel. Yeah. So this brings it forward a little bit. And it, yeah. I, I believe it does get the recognition it it deserves. Yeah. Uh, because also we, we saw or reported on actually a lot of award submissions within out of home yes. do you remember the interactive subway make your own one at the, yes. the media week awards yeah um, so good. again that proves the point that you know interactive digital out of home is obviously being utilized i think another point just thinking about out of home in 2024 obviously consumers are a lot more climate conscious now as well as businesses and out of home is has been proven to be a, a much more sustainable channel. So again, I think in our trends episode, we talked about how out of home was reportedly six times more energy efficient mm. um, nice. than, than online advertising. So I think that plays a part in how, how people can 
plan out of home, I suppose, or why they would. Yeah, absolutely. There's a lot of work being done, especially by like, I've spoken a lot to Dakota recently about their sustainability push. Really, really strong. Yeah. So what I'm getting is that we love our old dogs. Oh man, I love the old dogs. We love I our like old the new dogs, dogs as I well. I love the new you. dogs. We love all the dogs. And <laughs> whether they have old tricks or new tricks, we like them. Yeah, absolutely. Hear, hear. Hear, hear. Okay. Aye, aye. <laughs> so in, an, in another change to scheduled planning, Jack. And the old media are none. Yeah, oh, wow. God, this is really disrupting my status quo <laughs> today. It's disrupting my feng shui. <laughs> I'm, I'm now uh, the media's ad- agony uncle. Ring, ring. Ring, ring. Hello, media are none. We have two today. See, it's really hard when you do a job that's not the one that you're used to. I'm, and also, I started reading this thinking that you'd pass me a note that you wanted me to be aware of, Bookie. And I was like, oh my God, Bookie, I'm sorry. Um, anyway, so the first uh, the first uh, one that we've got is, uh, and I'll, I'll read it out, obviously, because that's the role that you play, Bookie. Obviously, smooth. I didn't... Right, this, this is serious. Sorry, okay. can we just preface this? Better than you've done today. Can we just lie. preface this by saying Jack is very hungover? So. <laughs> just a touch. I don't. I may or may not have come sailing into February with a, a couple of shandies last night. Not hungover. Thank you very much. Anyway, this is actually quite a sad one. I didn't get my dream job, which I put my heart and soul into applying for. I got to the final stage of the interview process, but in the end did not have enough experience to get the role. My issue is I can't get experience without doing the job, but I can't get the job without experience. I mean, I I hear you on that. I'm finding it so frustrating and I'd already mentally checked out of my current role. So now I just don't know what to do with my career. It's always demotivating when, you know, you, 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 you fail. But that failure is not a bad thing. It's just a a learning curve. And it just goes to show it wasn't the right dream job. Your dream job, it will be, it's coming. It's coming. I think what's for you won't miss you. This was part of the experience that you are now going to take for when the dream job gets there. Yeah. Like you had to understand this process, understand the interview process, find out what they're looking for. And there's, to be honest, there's maybe like little bits of that experience you can get from other places. You don't need to be in the job to get the whole experience to be able to get the job. But if there's three, four, five things that you need, you might be able to do one of those things in a current role. You might be able to do another one of those things just through another part of your life. I think a lot of my experience I put into getting a a job and a role has actually come from like just my hobbies and yeah. other things that I've done. And so all of a sudden, they I, I can plan events because I took 45 people to Prague on a <laughs> on a rugby tour. But now, actually, I'm, a, I'm an event planner. That sounds unreal, by the way. It was crazy. <laughs> but I've done that. So I can do that. And now that is experience. So I yeah. think you be disheartened, feel your I mean, feelings, but I, then you can think, come out of that. I think, like, the thing with this is, like, and obviously we don't know kind of how specialised this job is, but presumably it sounds like there's a bit of specialty in there. If you've asked for feedback, you should well, you should ask for feedback from the people who interviewed you to understand like what bits you need to kind of dial up, and don't be afraid to to say to them if you you know if you had a good interview with them, just say well look th- this is something I really want to move into. How would you recommend that I get some experience? Because likelihood is there will be, and I know I always bang on about it, there might be books you can read, there might be videos online that you can watch that will upskill you. I mean you could even like 
pay for yourself to do a course or something like that. And I know that's not an option for everyone, but like there are loads of learning resources and it's like a classic kind of situation where like there's just opportunities to kind of upskill yourself. So, I mean, try not to get yourself too down in the dumps about it though, because like that does suck, but you got to get back on the horse. Yeah, it was all a learning and the, the experience mm. itself was a learning. What's the next one, Jack? This one's a little bit less serious, which is good because the other one I was like, that was quite intense. Two, my whole team are doing dry January together. It started off pretty well, but by the second Friday of the year, I decided I needed a bev. I went to the pub around the corner from the office and saw that two guys in my team were also in there. They didn't see me, and now I don't know whether to rat them out. So instead of ratting them out, you've just blown it wide open on uh, on the media Live, industry's favorite the media industry's favorite podcast. Um, <laughs> um, not for long, if we continue with this lack of professionalism. Anyway, um, they didn't see me, and now I don't know whether to rat them out. We have a forfeit where whoever breaks has to pay for a night out in February. I could make them have to pay, which would save me money. But at the end of the day, I broke too. They just don't know that. I think this all boils down to how much of an honest person you are. Mate, snitches get stitches. That is the way I'd have ratted go. them out and not had a drink. I'd have been like, yo, yo, I'm telling everybody. <laughs> <laughs> now, you can't rat people out. I mean, it's, it's a bit... Oh, uh, well, I mean, it they can be annoying. your little secret. You can let them know that you know. How about they pay for your night that night? That's what you should have done. You know, oh, like, so look, you're, you're blackmail. I, yeah, I'm not, I won't tell anyone, <laughs> but you guys buy my drinks tonight. That's the default <laughs> advice we give. Just blackmail people. <laughs> yeah, yes. you know what? great blackmail idea. Blackmail does come up a lot on love this it. podcast. Yes. I love yeah. a bit of blackmail. What does that say about us, guys? The, the corrupt gorgeous, advertising. We're classic media people, just corrupted and rotten from the core. Well, you're just staring at me as though I insulted you personally. No, have, no. We, so- have we solved that one? I, well, right. So you're, you're saying rat them out. No, you're saying blackmail them. Uh, you're saying rat them out. I, I said rat them out and then I changed to blackmail. I'm not sure I said that, but yeah, whatever. I think I think let them know that you saw them and just enjoy taking the moral high ground. Here, here. <laughs> what a bunch of pricks we are. <laughs> well... That wraps up this week's Media Week podcast. Thank you for listening. And please remember to like and subscribe. And if you would like to have any further information, it is available in the show notes. See you next week. Let's go.